0: Darkness. I, uh, I am not a fan, and I'm not talking about any kind of darkness. You see, nighttime with stars overhead is not the kind of darkness that I'm referring to. Neither is taking a walk on a city sidewalk with streetlights on, nor is driving on a mountain road after dusk. No, the kind of darkness I am talking about is pitch black darkness when you cannot see your own hand right in front of your face. The first time I experienced such darkness was when some friends and I were spelunking or cave exploring in in Southern New Mexico. I'll skip the details, but when you are a few hundred feet underground with zero natural light and you turn off artificial light, that is real darkness, incapacitating darkness in which you start to see things because your mind cannot adjust to that kind of blackness. That very unique darkness is found only in a few places on Earth. That said, right now in March of 2020, it feels to me and to many, certainly at least when new daily virus stats come out, that there is a cave-like darkness all over the world. And the darkness we are experiencing right now certainly is one of a kind. All the doses of bad news to me represent darkness, and I say this because while normal kinds of darkness are part of creation, day turning into night, for example, the worldwide coronavirus darkness is not the way things are supposed to be. Now in the midst of these dark times, I believe there's some vital things for us to keep in mind. I've spoken about a bunch of things to remember the last two times I preached, and today I want to add yet again Some vital ideas for us to focus upon during these times. And to help us get started, let's take a look at the beginning of the book of Genesis and the creation story. Here are some excerpts In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. The first day. Skipping ahead to the fourth day of the creation story is this. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night, and he also made stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. These well-known verses highlight some very important things. While God created all that there is, including earth, before there was anything, there was darkness a dark void as it's described in Genesis, a cave-like black darkness. But when God began his creation in Denver and started making things happen, God made light and light remains in place even while there is apparent darkness. And while the creation story is obviously not a day-by-day factual accounting of how things happened, the story is given given to us by God to reflect truth the fundamental truth not only that God created everything, but that there is always light to be found no matter how dark something appears or feels. We find this same reflected in the beginning of John's Gospel as well. From John's Gospel chapter one are these verses. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of humankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it. Now in these verses and the ones that follow, we learn that not only that Jesus is God in the flesh, but that Jesus is light. And darkness cannot overcome Jesus and his light. And this theme over and over and over and over again in scripture tells us that God is all about light, that light is an inherent part of God, and that while there may be darkness, darkness cannot overcome light, darkness never prevails. And while darkness is part of the created order like night or the lack of light in a dark cave, the kind of darkness referred to in scripture and many other verses is the darkness that has nothing to do with God or how things should be. Darkness as described in scripture is all about pain and anger, disease, fear, helplessness, hatred, violence, division, retribution, getting even, tearing down, poverty, unemployment, illness. Isolation, separation, hunger, and yes, even pandemics. These forms of darkness, while present and part of a broken world, however, cannot overcome light, cannot diminish the power of God. Has there always been darkness? Yes. Are these dark days now? For sure. But light, always prevails because God is light. And this is why Jesus, the ultimate source of light, one day said, in this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Our reading today that Sue read is from chapter 11 of John's Gospel. It's one of my favorite stories and actually has a lot to say to us about light and darkness. In the story, we hear of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus three siblings who were friends of Jesus that lived in the town of Bethany. Bethany was a town just down a small valley and up a hill from Jerusalem. And in the story, Jesus, likely at least a full day's journey from Bethany, gets word that his friend Lazarus is ill. And Jesus decides to wait a couple of days before responding or doing anything. Jesus tells those around him that the power of God will be made clear to everyone in the days ahead. And for this reason, they are to wait. And after two days pass, Jesus announces that he's headed to Bethany to see his friends. And his followers quickly remind Jesus that Bethany is a dangerous place. As there are many people there that want to do away with him. But despite this danger, Jesus heads to Bethany. And when he arrives in the area, he learns that his pal Lazarus has been dead for four days and was already in a tomb. And it's here, just, out, just outside of town, that Lazarus' sister Martha runs out to Jesus to greet him. And Martha says, if only you had been here, my brother would still be alive. Jesus tells Martha that her brother will rise again. And Martha does not grasp what Jesus says as she concludes Jesus is talking about Eternity. Well, soon Mary also shows up and she says, echoing her sister's words, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. As a brief aside, I've been thinking about these words and these sentiments of the sisters that they feel so familiar to me. How many of us in life have thought or felt, God, you could do something about this, but you apparently won't. Everything would be okay if you would just fix this. God, why are you taking so long to do something? Or, God, had you been around, perhaps this would not have happened. Familiar sentiments to many of us. Well, anyway, Jesus is deeply moved by the whole situation. We're told that he's angry and, and that he cries. And it's in the midst of these powerful emotions that Jesus tells people to remove the stone in front of the cave in which his friend was buried. And even though people warn Jesus that Lazarus had been dead for some time and that things won't smell great, they do what Jesus asks. And when the tomb is opened, Jesus says in essence, God, so that they will believe who I am, I command you in your name that Lazarus come out of the cage. And wrapped in burial burial clothes, Lazarus gets up, walks, and emerges from the tomb. Jesus then asks that someone unwrap him. Well, this story is about many things. It certainly is about grief and the nature of grief. It's about wanting God to show up and do something. It's about having to wait for God to respond to what we're asking for. It's about Jesus' very human nature and his very human emotions. It's about Jesus doing what needs to get done despite risks and threats. It's about God asking us to trust when there appears little reason to do so. It's about hope when anything but hope makes sense. But it's also a poignant story about the power of light over darkness. Lazarus literally walked out of darkness, out of a tomb, into light. And he came out of profound darkness into light, not because of his own power, but because of God's power. And this story is a powerful reminder to each of us that when we are in darkness, God will move us into light through God's power, not our own. But the story is also about something else. On this side of heaven and eternal life, God calls you and me today, if we are living in a dark place, or in a tomb, so to speak, to get out and get back into the light with God's help. In the midst of this worldwide pandemic, God, I believe, invites us to seek God's light and to immerse ourselves in that light God also, I believe, invites us to remember that we are, in essence, living in a tomb whenever we allow darkness to seemingly prevail in our lives. And we live in darkness. We are living in a tomb when we allow ourselves to be consumed by negativity and anger and helplessness. We are living in a tomb when we conclude that we are and there is no reason to have hope and that nothing can be done. We live in a tomb when we allow fear to be part of our limited emotional bandwidth. We live in a tomb when we give up on hope. Worry is tomb living. Angst is living in a cage. So is scapegoating, contributing to negative stuff we hear, spreading nonsense like conspiracy theories, and when we politicize what is happening right now. There are many ways we feed darkness and God invites us now in March of 2020 to get back to the light, to choose light and to be the light of God wherever we are. It is so important that we remind ourselves today over and over and over and over that darkness cannot overcome the light of God. For example, through Jesus, the darkness of sin cannot overcome the light of forgiveness. What is wrong cannot overcome the light of what is right and true. The darkness of division and separation cannot overcome the light of reconciliation. The darkness of physical death cannot overcome the light of resurrection and eternal life. The light of overcoming supersedes the darkness of helplessness. The light of trust overcomes the darkness of fear. The light of love cannot be extinguished by anything that is not loving. The light of God will always prevail over mistaken human choices. And the power of God cannot be overcome by this virus. This is God's world, always has been, and always will be. My friends, we are living right now in in very contagious times. But the virus is not the only thing that is contagious. The kind of darkness I've been talking about is also profoundly contagious and infecting too many people. As followers of Jesus, I believe we are not called to fear the virus, but rather to use that energy to spread the light of God wherever we are and with anyone we encounter, whether six feet away or on the phone or online. Jesus one day said, let your light shine before others. Paul wrote, walk in the light. And in the Psalms, we find this beautiful verse, cover yourselves with the garment of light. The point, I believe, of these and other verses is that light is a choice. We can choose light. We can choose in this dark time to immerse ourselves in selflessness and talking people up. In goodness and joy and patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, and love. We can choose to immerse ourselves in such things and to infuse such light into the lives of people around us. We can choose to walk out of darkness, the cave of darkness, of quarreling and anger and selfishness and being out of control and fear and anxiety and hostility, to name a few these things are dark ways of living and god calls us into the light of his loving ways as i've been thinking about this over this past week i think the challenge for you and for me right now is to be very attentive to our own thoughts our own emotions and our own actions and to pay close attention to how we are thinking and how we are acting and what we're feeling and to pay attention when we are feeling or reflecting darkness. To recognize when we are living as if we are in a tomb. To challenge such ways of being and saying, to challenge such ways by proclaiming, you know, this is dark and I choose light instead. And over the last few days as I've been feeling some darkness myself, I've been thinking about this and saying to myself, you know, this is dark. And I need to choose light instead. And when we make the choice of light, we need to ask God for help in receiving God's light and in spreading it. You see, I believe we are called by God at this time to seek the light, to stay in the light, and to share the light of God. To counter the darkness around us by responding with light. As I said earlier, Jesus said in this world, tough stuff is going to happen and you will have troubles, but I've overcome the world. And this is a tough stuff time. And it's during this time that we're invited by God to trust that Jesus has overcome the world and to act upon it by turning into and sharing light. I understand the angst and the fear and the worry that many are feeling right now. I get that many don't feel like we have a lot of control over the course of things. I know that what health experts are recommending are essential for us to follow, but that such recommendations are not easy. I know things are really, really tough for a lot of people. That said, we don't just have to sit around and passively take it. Jesus calls each one of us out of dark ways of thinking, feeling, and acting into his light. His light of love that can not be overcome by anything. And every moment of every day, we can choose light, God's light with God's help. I want to close this morning with a mantra that has come into my mind that I've been repeating to myself over these days. And that mantra is, Robert, see the light, stay in the light, share the light. Again, I've been saying to myself, see the light, stay in the light, and share the light. And I invite us to remember that God's overwhelming, unalterable light is ultimately about love as God is love. And it's our calling to accept that love, to live, to act, and to think, and to share based on that love. And so my friends, during this time of apparent darkness, get back into the light. See the love of that light. Stay in the love of that light. And share the love of that light. And let us pray.